In over 10 years of going to shows, I've met some really interesting people along the way. Folkies, metalheads, old school punks, sweetheart singer-songwriters, and everyone in between. I figured now was as good a time as ever for me to share their stories. Conversations about music where no genre and no topic is off limits. I'm David James Young, and this is Newcastle Month. Hi everyone, it's David James Young here. Welcome back to All My Friends Are In Bar Bands, and thank you for tuning in for week two of Newcastle Month. Really happy to have you all here, and really excited about the response I got for last week's episode with your mate and mine, Mr. Jack Lundy. Thanks so much for all the shares and the positive feedback. You guys are tops. Nothing major on the plug front, but if you are in Newcastle tomorrow night on Saturday, May the 16th, then I strongly recommend getting along to the Cambridge Hotel and experiencing the magic that is Sleep Makes Waves. One of the best bands in the country, touring one of the best albums of last year, and they've brought along the wonderfully debaucherous Gay Paris along for the ride with them. So definitely get down and experience what is sure to be a hell of a night. This week's guests are Jamie Hay and Liam White. Jamie has been a very, very good friend of mine for a few years now, and he is someone that I genuinely adore and look up to. As a songwriter, as a performer, as a musician, as a father, just everything he does, I'm constantly in awe of, and I have the utmost respect for. What was interesting about this episode is that I met up with Jamie for dinner, And Liam, who is Jamie's touring guitarist and current musical collaborator, was also there. So I had the idea of interviewing the both of them, even though I'd literally just met Liam that night. Yes, for the first time ever uh, on this podcast, you are getting someone who I've never met before and knew next to nothing about but was learning about as I went with this episode. It actually turned out really, really well, all things considered. Jamie and Liam worked off each other's conversation and ideas really, really well. It turns out they have very similar backgrounds, just in very, very different parts of the country, and they came up through a very similar scene. So it was really interesting to get an insight into that, and yeah, basically look at this remarkable friendship and two really, really wonderful people. I genuinely think this is one of the best episodes of the podcast we've done so far, so I won't waste a second more. Here are my friends, Jamie Hay and Liam White. David James Young and all my friends are in bar bands. Today I would like to introduce you to my friends Jamie Hay Hi. and Liam White. Hello. How are you gentlemen? Very full. Yes, <laughs> we're, we're just... very good. We just ate a whole bunch of Chinese food. 
and it was delicious. <laughs> Smiled, stomping ground, Hamilton Chinese. Mm. Did they recognise you when you came in? I was actually kind of bummed that they didn't. Oh, it's been a while. Is it though. the same people? From exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, more yeah. things change. The more they say the same, right? That's true. <laughs> and, I, and I'm sure I look older and worse for wear. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's not longer that, man. It's part of the process. That's true. That's true. It's fine. <laughs> so we're here in uh, Hamilton Chinese. These two fine gentlemen will be playing a show very, 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 very soon. It's Hopefully so not close. too soon, because I'll perform it. <laughs> <laughs> just halfway through, it's just like, excuse me. Just it's coming. Beeline for Watch the toilet. Out. Yes. <laughs> that's why Get we have bucket. open guitar cases behind us when yeah. we play. Just oh, that's case. handy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know, you can just kind of go do your thing. Shut the case in shame. Yeah. Put the guitar in at the end of the night. Go and burn it somewhere. So. <laughs> Sprayed out with the hose at the end. <laughs> yeah. Just, just out the back. Just Actually, like, hey, I, guys. I have a plug. I have a plug in the in the back of my guitar case that I like like, take out. Yeah, it's like a mosquito, and you just like, hose it out, tip it out, tip like, spew like out, it, and like um, yeah. <laughs> oh, how's the technology? It's good. It's <laughs> we're, we're thinking about just touring in a dinghy from now on. You might as well. Yeah. <laughs> or in a bin. Just play coastal towns. <laughs> now, Jamie, we met, I believe, uh, we'd had some minor correspondence before that, but the first time that we met was a Christmas show that you played with I Exist at the Avondale oh, yeah, Hotel yeah, 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 at okay. the end of 2011, I believe it was. Okay, that's good. That's good. I have no idea. <laughs> I know it happened, but I don't know. It, de- it definitely happened. <laughs> Yeah, definitely I, I, yeah. <laughs> I believe a death in the family were on their last legs at that point, but it hadn't been like announced to the world. Uh, I don't think we really had the conversation at that stage, but um, I think that was like our last show, properly before we disbanded. It was a it's a heartbreak, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for a lot of people, you know, that was a big deal for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, like I think, and for us as well, you know, like we'd all been in the band for. Uh, you know, I wasn't in the band as long as the rest of the guys, but yeah, um, yeah. but you know, when you when you're in a band for a long amount of time, it's always hard when it ends, regardless of the situation or whatever. And um, you know, you're just so used to hanging out all the time and doing tours together and all that kind of stuff. It's a hard one to wrap your head around. Yeah, yeah. Talk us through coming into that band. I was thinking about moving to Melbourne, and I was hanging out in. In Melbourne for a couple of weeks, yeah, with um, with some friends, and mm-hmm. I got a call from Adam asking if I knew anyone who played guitar, and I was like, yeah, me, like <laughs> it was just like really like he didn't ask me like straight out, and I was like, yeah, I play guitar, I'd be keen on that. And he was like, oh, cool, all right. So we had a jam uh, when I was down there, it went really well, it was really easy, and yeah. So from that moment, they were like, if you want to join the band, it's cool. Um, I went home, home back to Newcastle, mm. packed my stuff, and two weeks later moved down there. And, and then three months later, we went on a European tour for two months. Oh man, that's getting thrown in the deep end, it, isn't it? It was. It was <laughs> a sink or swim kind of moment, but um, but that was awesome. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, Liam, you're here playing guitar with Jamie. How did you guys meet for the first time? Jamie and I met in about 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, I was living in Tassie at the time and um, starting to do a bit of promoting shows down there. And okay. I was in Hobart at the time. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think the, one of the, the first, well, definitely the first international band that me and two other guys um, promoted was Against Me and that tour, um, oh, right. Conation was supporting mm. um, all the shows. And so 
Jamie and I kind of just got talking there and, you know, I'd been flogging their record previous to that and, like, really liked the band and was really... I think we kind of just, like, yeah, felt a bit of kinship and, like, a bit of... Yeah, just got along really well and then um, we both kind of moved to Melbourne in the space of a year or two years of each other and just started Mm. hanging out and... I think it's one of those things as well. If you move to a city like Melbourne or Sydney or something and you're from somewhere else, you kind of naturally gravitate towards people who are from other somewhere regional else, yeah. towns yeah, or sure. another city. So, you know, like Jamie had some friends from Newcastle and, you know, I had a few friends from Tassie and stuff and we just yeah, yeah. kind of started hanging out. And yeah, yeah. Then, in the same um, kind of hood. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah, and then we were living close. kind of close to each other yeah. and, um, you know, just would go and talk shit for a night and drink red wine and ride bikes around and... You know, just do stupid stuff. Oh, what more could you want? Yeah, Yeah, it was really good. And then Hay asked me to be involved in playing guitar on when we were sort of, when he was getting ready to record King of the Sun. Yes. And then somehow I thought it was a good idea to have me play guitar after that finished as well, which I I don't know, something must have been drastically wrong. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, but somehow he's put up with me for a couple of years, so it's been really good fun. Yay, yeah. Yay me. Yeah, yeah good, good am you. I. You're very tolerant. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Take us back to the very beginning. So we'll start with you, Jamie. What kind of inspired you to start playing when you were growing up? Did you kind of get into it through high school, or were there, was there stuff like early on that was very developmental in your interest in music? I guess, like, I really saw Skid Row and stuff like that on Rage and just was like this is fucking awesome I want to play guitar like that that dude shreds (laughs) and so it kind of went from there like that was that was definitely my interest like it was like straight to guitar it was like nothing else mattered as they said in the 90s yeah Um, (laughs) or one uh, particular band said yeah they did yeah yeah (laughs) but they spoke for everyone so let's just make that clear and then uh, as I kind of went went to high school and stuff uh, friends started listening to, to punk bands and um, you know kind of got into that kind of stuff you know I love as a kid I like I love all the shredding like just total guitar wankery of yeah, yeah. the 80s um, glam rock bands and stuff but I don't know there was something that really drew me to like punk music and just the rawness of it and it was just yeah it just spoke to me and yeah then that, that kind of like that was my exit you know <laughs> that, from was that. The, that was the jumping off point yeah, yeah yeah definitely was interested in guitar and always wanted to be good at it right you know, yeah in, yeah in some way yeah how about you Liam well I don't know I think we kind of all like when I was growing up <clears throat> I always had music around the house you know yeah. like my when I was a kid, the only way that my dad could get me to sleep was to dance me around the living room to Billy Joel oh, and the Beatles beautiful. records. So, oh, wow. um, so <laughs> that's so lovely. Yeah, and then you know, like I kind of like learned piano when I was a kid. Then soon realised that piano is a bit dorky, and like <laughs> chicks don't really dig dudes on pianos. So except Billy Joel, of well, yeah, right. obviously, yeah. yeah. And, um, He's the exception to the rule. Oh, there's so many exceptions. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Just kind of, I think I played my first gig when I was uh, like in year six or something like that. Um, oh, right. Like, like played in a weird, like hot, kind of primary school band thing. And was primary this in Hobart? Band. This was in rural Tasmania in a town called Olveston, which is on the northwest coast. Right. Halfway between Burnie and Devonport. So it's a funny place to grow up. I didn't see a live gig of any kind of alternative music till I was maybe like 15 or something like that oh, wow. and yes. remembered seeing this band and they were probably like a horrible covers band or something but they played a few originals and I just remember going fuck this is amazing you know like 
here's some people doing this stuff that I've seen on TV, except they're doing it here in my town. And well, it wasn't actually in my town; it was in the next town over. Yeah, um, <laughs> close enough. But I was like, I want to do that, man. Like, it yeah. was really cool. And then you know, like we'd go and see a few bands and stuff. And then one day, happened to go see Friends of Rom and um, this band Toe to Toe were playing, and I was oh, just like, yes. That was kind of a... That's a blast in the past. Yeah, well, that was all over for me then. I was just like, these guys are incredible and they're absolutely <coughs> terrifying to watch and yeah. I loved it, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's the thing about punk rock, isn't it? The first time you come across it, you're just like, I don't know what's going on, but I need all of this and yeah. I need it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. And yeah. That, that's something that's kind of stuck with me. Like, I've always... I've kind of, like, seek out now music that I don't understand and that terrifies me. Yeah, and so I've kind of figured that like if the music is really strange and confronting for for me to listen to now, I'm like I should be listening to it. Mm. So at yeah. the moment, I'm trying to get my head around this band called Indian from Chicago. Oh yeah, and yeah. They're, they're most from purity. They're the most huge, bleak and like confronting and nihilistic band that I think I've ever heard. Probably <laughs> even more so than a bunch of black metal bands. Yeah, yeah. and I'm still can't make. I still can't make it all the way through the record without having to turn it off because it just bums yeah. me out so much. <laughs> it gets so real so quickly, doesn't it? That's right. <laughs> okay, so let's go to first shows. Jamie, what was the first band slash show that you played? That I played? Is that my friend? Well, my friend Jeremy. Uh, we, we played in a band together. First band. And it was actually my, my stepbrother played guitar and I played guitar and Jeremy played drums. And it was at his brother's... 21st or something like that. How old were you at this point? We were like 14 or 15. Yeah, right. And they had this big veranda out the back of their house and we played on the veranda. And it was like it was like its own stage. It was like about um, two feet high or something. Funnily enough, it's actually... So Adam's whose birthday it was that we played, he's actually getting married tonight and it's his 40th tonight. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I'm not there, which is which totally sucks, but... You know, it's what happens when you have a wedding at Blues Fest and Easter. Makes yeah, it hard. It really does. Such a jerk. <laughs> oh. It just totally messed me up. But, Screw um, you if you're listening. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know. It's, it's a joke. Um, <laughs> but yeah, screw um, So, um, yeah, that was the first gig or, you know, like party or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we played like Blitzkrieg Bop by the Ramones and we played Smells Like Teen Spirit and we played like something else or whatever and we like i remember like we were like psyching ourselves up in jeremy's bedroom like you know we like that was our green room and oh, our backstage yeah. <laughs> so like you know we were like really nervous and we like walked we out, got this. The yeah. out the, like through the kitchen onto the back veranda stage yeah it was pretty funny <laughs> that's amazing i'm sure it was terrible but um, <laughs> it was really it was really fun yeah but you always you, you never remember it as being terrible you just remember that like oh yes we the, just rocked the it. excitement like we were just so nervous yeah, and excited yeah. um <laughs> and we kind of went from there we used to put on our own shows in jeremy's shed um and invite all our friends around. Um, and this is in this is in Stockton in in, in Newcastle. So yeah, it's like yeah. At, um, yeah, like over the river. So it's kind of like you know it's its, it's own kind of thing because it's over the the harbour. At the time, we had no idea that you know that what we were kind of doing was even like DIY or whatever. No, so that we just it's like we it was all you knew. That's all we could do. It's the only way we knew we could play a show was actually to do it ourselves. Yeah, and put it on. And it was great, and I, and like to me, like those shows were 
with the best I've probably ever played. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, Liam, you were 12, you said, when you played for the first time? Yeah, so I think I played a gig at the Olberston Sound Shell when I was 12. Oh. I think we probably did a couple of Angels covers. Oh, we, we nice. Yes, done, we definitely did. Um, Took a long line. Backstreet Pickup. Oh. oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Honey, where have you been? Good to see you again. Like a couple other classic rock ones. Yeah. Um, pub rock, just yeah, just solid pub yeah, rock. Yeah, April Sun in Cuba. Oh, it wasn't that advanced. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and you were, you were playing guitar. I was playing guitar, yeah, and singing. Yeah. So that was pretty terrifying. But oh, then, um, yeah, sure. But then, I think I don't think I played another gig for like a few years after that. And then I had a terrible, like, kind of like year eleven band that I was in that was just like a cover band with a few originals, and we played a gig at some like youth hangout center or youth drop-in center sort of thing yeah yeah but then you know like like started doing like writing a couple of songs in various bands and like playing shed shows like Mm. we because we were because there was no venues really like we just kind of did the same thing and like someone would have a bush party somewhere and Mm. they'd have a shed and there would be, you know, it's like winter in Tassie, there'd be a fire, like a wood stove going. There'd be a loud band in a shed somewhere and inevitably someone would be passing around a goon bag or something like that. (laughs) And that was fantastic as well because you just like play a show and all your friends are there and there's no pressure and it's Mm. just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Just good fun. Yeah. Yeah, I remember like the first time I played a show in a pub it just seemed inconceivable that somebody would let us play a show yeah. in a pub. It's like we do not belong here. Yeah, <laughs> it felt so weird. And yeah, and every time I like every time like we play a show that's outside of a pub or any time any like any band that I've played in over the years has played a show that's not in a bar, it's felt great. Yeah. Like it's so it just kind of you know, so much different to just like playing in a bar where everyone knows the ritual, you know, the show yeah. opens here. The first band goes on after this amount of time. Mm, mm. There's this amount of things. Like, you go buy a drink from the bar, whatever else happens, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, you play a show outside of that and it's like all bets are off. No one really knows what's going to happen. And that's great. Yeah. It's really <laughs> yeah. fun, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's 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 just such a unique thrill to it. So you just you just feel so in control of what you're doing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then also out of control because, you know, you could look at the same time, yeah. halfway through a set and someone's swinging off the rafters in the shed or something like that or, <laughs> like, some guy's rigged up a rope hanging from the ceiling which has a goon bag on the end which happens to be the same height as your microphone stand. So <laughs> they, and they pour goon into your mouth while you're singing. Like, this is what happens in Tassie, people. That sounds, that sounds yeah, that's weird. a very, that's, that's way too specific a reference. <laughs> you maybe, know, you maybe know, something you, like you know, this happens. You know when your mates do that? It's like, no. No. <laughs> Can't say I do, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's a goon bag of Riesling. Oh, cool oh, bar. Yeah. Yeah, no. it was definitely cool. Fruity about Lexia. Oh, Fruity Lexia, yeah. Fruity Absolutely. Lexia. Fruity Lexia. That's true. Will yeah. it make you any sexier? <laughs> That's oh. a million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty easy to answer, though. At what point does Coronation come into play? Coronation started in 97, and I was playing in a band called Arms Reach at the time. Okay. And I left to start Coronation to do something different. So, what was Arms Reach like? Like, like a hardcore, like a kind of like hardcore thrash kind of band yeah and you were playing guitar no i was playing bass at the time i started playing drums in the band oh wow i started playing drums and then i left playing drums and started playing bass and then i left the band um then yeah and started conation 
yeah, it was just basically a lot of the stuff that I was listening to at the time, you know, I wanted to do kind of something that was more like melodic and fast and, you know, like power violence, that kind of like fast stuff. Yeah, and just like kind of try something different. And yeah, it was just started by actually uh, it was Dale and Murray and my friend Ryan who played in my first band, Stolen Youth. So the, so the first gig that I had was the start of a band called Stolen Youth. Um, yeah, right. That, um, yeah, so Ryan played bass in Stolen Youth and he played guitar on the first 7-inch Carnation done. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and that that was a band that kind of, I guess, picked up a lot of traction in your local scene. You know, you guys played around a, a fair bit. And I guess to this day, even have like a bit of a, a cult status, you know, like people really have a great reverence for, I guess, that period and that time in, in Australian hardcore in particular. Yeah, it's 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 funny, you know, like like not to kind of like dismiss that time at all or, sure. or anyone that came to shows then, but like it's like we we didn't have like kind of big shows or not many people really came to see us that much when we were around. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm sure a lot of bands ex- experienced that. Um, uh, but but yeah, like you know, hearing that, I'm like I kind of like think back and go, oh, you know, we played shows that were like. 10 people sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> we would play shows at the Hamilton Station Hotel over the road and there was yeah. like 5 people you know I guess it's just that thing you when a band ends then it's something else than it was at the time you know it's kind of glow about it it's a lot more I don't know revered yeah uh, <laughs> then. death is career option you know <laughs> yeah 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 and, and again like not not that I'm yeah like uh, disrespectful to anyone that you know came and saw us then but like yeah it's just kind of funny um you know, the band kind of grew into something bigger than I think it was in its time. You in, know? Yeah, in the time that it wasn't a band, yeah. Yeah, as Liam was saying before about, like, just playing shows that were kind of, like, out of the ordinary, um, we used to play at this venue that Murray was basically like a shed. It was it was called The Shed. Right, yeah. Murray lived there. Catch your title. Yeah, <laughs> it's just straight to the point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Murray lived in the shed and Dale lived in the house that was in front. And so it was an old like metalworks kind of thing. So it was a big, big place. And we had a stage in there and we had a, a, a quarter pipe ramp. Um, so bands would come and play at, in one like kind of little bit and you'd skate and hang out. And it was just like, it wasn't a, it wasn't a pub. It was like just all run by our friends and yeah. Um, yeah, and again, like, just those kind of shows to me were just, like, so special because it was, like, all us, mm. you know? It was all our community that, that yeah. helped make it happen and, you know, and made sure that it was safe and, you know, uh, yeah, it was great. It was yeah. a great time. Um, and I definitely remember, like, a lot of really good fun shows there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a good time. Mm. Like, yeah, I definitely had a, had, a, had a really, really awesome time playing in Carnation. We'd done a lot of stuff that... You know, up to that point, I didn't think I would get to do a sure. band, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you raise an interesting point about, I guess, uh, location and circumstance and community playing a big part in the upbringing and development of a musician. Mm. Um, I'll throw this both... Uh, we'll start with you, Liam. Like, how much do you think, uh, like, you're growing up in your environment and, I guess, being away from, like, the big city and, and those kind of scenes, uh, do, do you think that kind of develop stronger bonds between the other musicians just because it's just like we're all we have you know what i mean Mm. i think you kind of just 
you can only even know at any point in your life what you know at that point. Sure. And that sounds like a really obscure thing to say, but I think when you're growing up outside of cities where you can go and see punk and hardcore bands, mm. you kind of just go, oh, well, I'm going to mash together like the three like punk bands that I know about and go, well, let's just start a band that kind of sounds a bit like NoFX mixed with toe-to-toe mixed with less than Jake yeah. meets saves a day or something like that yeah. mm. and that's like you kind of but then you don't really know how to play instruments properly no one's there going oh you guys need to look like this or do this or say this or whatever you just kind of make up shit like so I think that yeah you kind of make your own rules up a little bit more if you don't see other people having done those things before you yeah, like if yeah. it's kind of you're kind of treading a path that lots of other people have done separate to you, but no one, none of your mates are doing it. So yeah, yeah, it's exactly. kind of like it's no reference. You just go, so. well, I don't know what to do, so let's just do something fun, and you mm. know, like you just make shit up. So I think, yeah, definitely, Dave. I mean, like you do discover that you can have a show that's in a shed somewhere, and people will come and have fun, and no one dies, and you know, like it's yeah. cool. Yeah. And I think you do develop a sense of wanting to play shows and not depending on money to do that. Sure, yeah. Um, because, like, there is no money. No. And, like, you just kind of go, well, this is really fun and I like playing in bands and, like, it's the first time you get paid, you're just like, what, 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 what's this? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Do you, is this guilt money or something? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like I think when you do when you go through those experiences that are really formative and kind of like where you're just making up your own rules with a group of 20 or 30 people, you do develop really strong bonds with people. And if you meet someone who has similar experiences but in a completely different area that you had no idea they were doing the same thing, mm. yeah, you totally you have those like you kind of had those connections where you're like, oh, you guys were doing that too. Cool. Yeah, you know? it's amazing. And, you know, pre-internet pre and stuff like that, it was kind of like rural Tasmania. There is no maximum rock and roll. There's no, there's no punk rock on TV. There's, mm. You know, we didn't have Triple J until I was like 16 or 18 or something like that. It's very kind of white bread rock and roll. And yeah. that's, you know, when you're growing up, you do listen to The Angels or Powderfinger or whatever else there is because, yeah. you know, and there's no older brother feeding you shit or, or, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, you meet someone like I meet Jamie from Newcastle and I'm just like, oh, you guys played shows in the sheds when you were 15 because we did that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just <laughs> yeah, we weren't as crazy. cool as you guys at 15 because we were, you know. But like, no, it's, uh, to me it's like, I think the whole idea that you're building something on your own and you're not waiting for that chance to come along to play that show with, you know, like this band or whatever. Like, you know, we we built that ourselves like we we done it like it's kind of like the thing you know oh you know hope one day we make it but we've actually made it we've actually created it i think that's way more satisfying than like being a successful band or whatever like um Mm. to me like yeah creating a community and creating a scene and building something is something i look back on like really proudly and you know those those shows and those you know kind of parties that we put together like it was it was just because we just wanted to play a show there was no other thing there like you know we didn't want to be a big band or or whatever we just wanted to play our songs you know like yeah um yeah and yeah it's um 
It was fun. It was it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what, I think that's what you do when you can't get a gig anywhere else or you don't know how to get a gig. You know, yeah. like, if there's no venues that are putting on shows that your band sounds like, then you just go, well, cool, we still want to play. Mm. Yeah. Where are we going to play? Yeah. All right, let's just do it at someone's house. You know? Yeah. <laughs> who, who will let us, like, make such a racket? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I remember, um, so the, the first show that I ever went to um, here in Newcastle was uh, a local, like, all-ages show at Morrow Park Bowling Club and it was um if I can remember correctly I know it was No Reason and Disengage and Druid and maybe Angry Earth Mother all these bands at the time like very yeah. kind of different Druid were like a grunge band Disengage were a hardcore band No Reason were like a punk band uh, like uh, Angry Earth Mother were like a rock like kind of dirty rock band or whatever so it was like all these kind of like different kind of genres uh, playing and um you know, like, and just like I fell in love with Disengage and um, No Reason because it was like in line with, you know, the bands that I like to listen to. Yeah. And then the next thing, like, our band's playing a house party at a friend's house over town, and there's like some of the dudes from Disengage, and like the guitarist, like Rocky, came up to us after we played, and he was like, like, loved us and was like, you know, let's do a show. And we were like, wow, what? that's right. And our next show was at another house. You know, like, it wasn't like, it was like, let's do a show, this place, or whatever. It was like, we got another show, we played with them at another house party, and it was like, that was like, wow, we're playing with, like, these guys at another <laughs> house, that's so rad. Oh, we made it. Yeah, yeah, and it was like, it, it just, yeah, you just wanted to play music, it was like, doesn't matter where it was, but yeah, um, it was just cool that we kind of, we just ran it, you know? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let's, let's uh, talk about location. Uh, do you guys remember the first time you played Interstate? Oh, now this is this is actually going to be a hard one to to, to check in. Do you remember on. what band it was? Yeah, I remember it was um it was Pitfall. I played in a band called Pitfall, um, which was before, which was after Stolen Youth, before Arms Reach. So like ninety six, <laughs> like oh no, like ninety five, ninety six. Okay, um, so what was your role in Pitfall? Play guitar, right? Yeah, and um, what kind of stuff was that? That was like hardcore. Yeah, so a lot of hardcore going growing up. Yes. Yeah. 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 I can't remember whether we played Canberra first or Melbourne, but Melbourne's a better story. <laughs> but, um, Isn't it always? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Always. That's, that's when why. is Canberra the better story than Melbourne? <laughs> Let's call true. a spade a spade. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there we go. That's it. Exactly. My my. This is really my my first memory of playing in a state was playing at the Art House '96 into '97. It was oh, New Year's wow. Eve. Yeah, and it was with. Trigger, which is Adam Simpson from Death and the Family's band at the time. Oh, right. So you guys didn't even know each other at that point? No, I didn't even see them at that point. No, I, I missed them on the show. Self-Reliance, which Jay, the singer, went on to sing in 28 Days. Like you do? Yep. And Was he ripping it up at that point? Kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of very similar <laughs> style and all that kind of stuff. Um, 1170, Unit 1174, which a lot of members... Um, you know, went on to form a lot of awesome bands. Fahrenheit 451 and One Inch Punch. A lot of numbers there. A lot of numbers. A lot of numbers. Yeah. Yeah, there was, yeah. Good good pick up on that. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. You're using your um, observational yeah, skills. Yeah, you right? are. You're <laughs> using them well. You're very good. <laughs> that was a great That was a great time. That was a good gig. That was the first time I ever saw One Inch Punch. And at the time, I think I was just 18 when I played oh, that show. wow. 
Yeah. That's a perfect time for it, isn't it? Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. It was my first time at the art house and it was, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What was yours yeah. then? So, the, my first show that I played Interstate was um, at the art house as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was with... Sing something nicely. Yeah, well, it was with Mind Snare of all bands. No shit. Yeah. I'd kind of... So, I was booking shows and stuff like that before... I mentioned before um, for a few years in Tassie and one of the bands that we toured um, down to Tassie was Mind Snare. Mm-hmm. And they were sort of like, oh, maybe you guys should come over and do some shows. And like at that stage, it was just like, uh, what, what, what? We, we can tour in a state? What? <laughs> That's a thing? Uh, yeah. It's all habits. So what band was this? Uh, I was in a band called The Scandal. So the Scandal, okay. I was in that band from um, when I was 18, so 2000 or 2001 um, until... It's kind of like never broke up, but we I think the last show that we played was maybe 2010 or 11 at the weekend. The weekend, uh, yeah. I think. Yeah, so we played, it was like a five bands for five bucks show at the art house that Mindsnare put on and organised. And it was Mindsnare, oh, wow. The Abandonment's first show, Realist Few from Adelaide, mm. In Name and Blood, and us. And I think we played Solid. like third or something like that after Realist Few. Like they ended the set by throwing both guitars at the back of the wall, and we were like, what do we do with this? Like, Jesus. How do we beat this? That's this terrifying. Is... <laughs> yeah. They're a and great band. Nick, uh, the bass player, my brother in that band, um, in The Scandal, happened to eat um, two or three meals of Indian food in oh, the, in the no. two days classic, previous. Classic curry company. Yep. yep. <laughs> Hit classic curry twice in the space of like a day and a half or something. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. And I, I, I just remember, like, playing the show and kind of looking over him going, like, why, why aren't you moving around? Like, is there something wrong? Like, what's, like, just kind of looking at him going, oh, no. dude, I know this is our first interstate show, but, like, just, like, just, just relax, you know, like, yeah. let's move around like we do at a normal <laughs> yeah. show and kind of, like, try and own uh, the stage a Was it bit. like uh, the scene in uh, The Meaning of Life? So, yeah, I talked to him afterwards and he was like, dude, I spent the entire show clenching trying He's not to shit myself on stage. Oh, no, <laughs> that's even... Oh, oh, damn. What would be worse? Shitting yourself or vomiting on stage? Pooing your pants, yeah, absolutely. Pooing. Yeah. There's no yeah, comeback from Pooh. No, there's no comeback from Pooh. Have you yeah. have you had a cheeky bomb on stage, Jerry? Um, uh, I don't think so, but I've definitely wanted to. Yeah, I've I've played shows where I've just been so full. Like, I remember this is all, all these stories of the art house and the classic <laughs> curry company. It always comes out the art house, doesn't <laughs> it? Like, I remember, yeah. I remember Carnation playing at. I think it was the that that against me tour mm. that we played mm. in 2004. It was the all having, ages show. The it was the all ages show. Oh, sorry, under eighteen show. Yeah, 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 exactly. But I, I had some classic curry, um, <laughs> and I smashed it because I know we, you know, we had to be on stage yeah. at whatever time. Yeah. And I remember being so full, and like ten minutes before we needed to be on stage, I was like laying in like the room upstairs, just on the bed, just like laying down, just trying. I was just trying to do the whole like meditation to like yeah. get Think about food, something else. Get Think about food. something else. I was trying to talk my stomach into like processing the food to get it on the <laughs> way out because it was tough. And yeah, that that gig sucked because I was so like so full and just like oh, get those like, no. like burps like, like oh, coming no. up. It's like it's either going to come out either way. But yeah, <laughs> never, never had any breach. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> Can you oh. never say the word breach ever again? 
Unless you're talking about the hardcore band. I can't guarantee that. <laughs> Arms breach. Arms breach. Bums breach. Bums breach. Oh, man. Yeah. That's going to get photoshopped. Photoshopped. <laughs> <laughs> Punch oh. butt cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, a lot of people uh, came to know you uh, through Feel Like Us, which is quite, you know, a different kettle of fish to what Conation was doing. Mm-hmm. Was, was I, I can only assume that was intentional. Did you kind of, was there was there a point where you were just like, I'm, I'm fucking done with hardcore, you know, I don't feel like playing this stuff anymore? Yeah, yeah, no, like, I, I, I've always been into, like, kind of solo, or, you know, like, singer-songwriter stuff ever since I was, like, a young... Young and like so, you know, when I was into like all punk stuff, like I, I, I remember seeing Billy Bragg on Rage once, and just, oh, wow, like, yeah. and just went like, "Wow, this is amazing! Fucking love this guy. Who is this guy?" And so, you know, I've always been interested in that kind of music. So yeah, I just I kind of wanted to have a crack at it, you know, like always wanted to play like that. Always wanted to sing and play guitar, but I always was a bit scared and you know not quite confident that I could sing well enough to do so. And yeah, just like kind of I guess in the same way like with Arms Reach and Conation Conation and Feel Like Us was like you know I want to try something different and having a chat to my friend Kim and was like do you want to do some kind of different project or whatever and have a go at it and that's how it started it was just the both of us just just two acoustic guitars yeah it kind of grew from there but but it's always it was always something that I wanted to wanted to do yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, it really it really built up, didn't it? You know, like, it, it gained a lot of momentum and, like, yeah, it's at the point now where it's 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 still going to this day, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's like 10 years Like, you ten were years talking later. about, yeah, you were talking about how a lot of bands kind of came and gone for you, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. You were in a lot of bands, like, only for brief periods of time, you know, you were in and out of bands and stuff like that, whereas this band seems to have, I guess, been one of your lifelong commitments in a way. Yeah, for sure. And it's, and I think, the, and the reason for that, I think, is because we're all really good friends and we all just want to play music there's no like kind of drive to to be anything more than that you know like i've definitely been in bands where you know uh or previous bands like okay this is what we want to do we want to go on tour here we want to do this do that blah, blah. and you, you know you set these kind of like parameters in a way like that if you don't meet that then it's just not really working or whatever mm. um feel like us has always been just that band that's like happy we just want to play a show we just want to do a weekend tour together we want to do you know we we just yeah it's just really simple and there's no pressure and everyone's kind of got other stuff going on and and we have over the years you know like we kind of done a lot when the album came out like yeah six years ago or seven years ago or whatever then kim and babs went overseas for like nearly a year so the band didn't do much or didn't do anything then I joined Death of Family, so like feel like us is always kind of been the kind of on on the edge kind of band, and I think that's kind of worked for us in a way. Just it's just kept it simple. Yeah. And yeah, we just kind of like lasted in that way. Yeah, yeah. You know. What about you, Liam? Um, did was there ever kind of a point where you you mentioned coming up through hardcore and punk rock and stuff like that? Was there was there a point where you kind of grew like disillusioned or disaffected by that whole scene um oh yeah it probably happens every week <laughs> that's um, true yeah yeah but, I um, for everyone involved in it really yeah know? yeah yeah i don't know i never really felt part of a kind of real clicky punk hardcore thing you know like because i like i guess like i maybe knew 
five or six people in Tassie when I was growing up who were kind of into the same weird bands that I was into. And mm. yeah. And that was about it. Like, you know, like people kind of would go and see the bands that I played in or whatever. And, and But it was kind of a bit different, you know, like much more like no effectsy Friends of Romney sort of stuff, which was mm. like I really like wasn't really that into. Yeah, I suppose coming to Melbourne was a bit of a... Like I moved to Melbourne in 2008 from Tassie. And, right, um, yeah. And it was simultaneously the greatest thing, but also a bit of an enthusiasm killer as well. Because sure. I was like... okay. I was just like, it felt a bit, like it was a dual sense of, like there's this huge community of people here going to see bands and stuff, but then also it didn't have the same kind of like sense of specialness that shows had in Tassie, where it was like, this is the one, this is the first time any national punk band has toured here in Mm. the last five years, so we Mm. better go and this is going to be an amazing show, you know, Mm. we've been looking forward to it for months. And then, you know, you move over to Melbourne or something, it's like, oh yeah, there's like, three those bands touring every week yeah and you can't you don't have enough money to go see or you burn out on going to see shows you know four nights a week for um three years or something and you're just fucking over it you know yeah absolutely um so i don't know i've always kind of listened to a whole bunch of different music and i'll these days listen to as much like hip-hop and kind of um i don't been listening to heaps of african music and um dub and um like you know as much of that kind of stuff as i will listen to punk rock or hardcore bands or whatever so Mm. it's a bit of a weird one i like i never kind of felt you know part of that like click of people but also i really admire people who have values that they live by especially if they're kind of like values where they're kind of informed by or like guided by i don't know like music tends to be one of those things that some bands can have a real lasting effect on people and for me it's you know bands like propaganda and fugazi Mm. and those Mm. bands where they actually have a message where i'm like oh these guys are pretty smart and the real deal yeah yeah Yeah. and actually live by what they're saying which Mm. i really admire and Seeing band after band after band after band after band where you're like, well, these people are talking about this stuff, but I don't know if they're really that... It doesn't feel mm. life and death to me. And if it's not life and death, then what the fuck are you doing it for? Yeah. Uh, that can kind of be a bit disillusioning. Whereas I, can, I, think, I can imagine, yeah. Um, if you're growing up somewhere in a rural area and there is a band doing that and there's everything at stake mm. um, and there's nothing to gain really, then... It does feel a bit more special and a bit more kind of like people are trying to do something that's far out of their kind of remit of skills or experience or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, like I say, like moving to Melbourne was the greatest thing and the worst thing as far as yeah. music goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind yeah. of just got really over music for a while and didn't really mm. go see bands and stuff. And yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of the, just one of those things of life, you know, like yeah. I, don't, I don't feel just any... Something to go through. Yeah, look, I, I mean, for a while there I kind of felt like obliged to go and see bands and, and that mm. sort of stuff and then I was like actually fuck it you know why am I doing this you yeah know, it's kind of stupid so yeah and nowadays yeah if there's a band playing and I'm just not feeling it I don't care you know fair enough yeah, yeah. which is a bit selfish but who cares yeah. <laughs> I mean both of you there is a point in in both of your musical journeys where it comes to moving to Melbourne yep uh and uh Jamie I want to talk to you about this in particular considering it's almost it's it almost feels like ritual that people from Newcastle move to Melbourne. There is that Newcastle Melbourne connection, and like 
it, it, I don't know, it always has been. And I, uh, as long as I've known people from Newcastle, I've known those people to eventually end up in Melbourne. There's there's yeah. just some kind of connection there. I mean, what was it for you? Like, was it was it always the obvious choice where I have to be here? This is, you know, you mentioned the days of the art house and stuff like that. We, did you always have a bond with that city? Absolutely. And I knew that for when it came time for me to leave Newcastle, that Melbourne was the first place that I would go to. Basically because, yeah, like I love playing music and um, and there was just such a, you know, as I said, like, you know, there's three shows a night that you just go, oh, I've got to go. Oh go to one but i can't yeah. obviously go to all of them. it's you know it's <laughs> just a really <laughs> yeah yeah and sometimes you can kind of swing depends on where they are but whatever but yeah it's all, it was always a destination for me i guess you know like playing in bands in newcastle and and feeling like i wanted to do a bit more but like there kind of wasn't in a way like the infrastructure here in terms of like you know like venues like the amount of venues and the amount of bands and the amount of like people um going to shows and and I remember, I remember really distinctly when I moved to Melbourne, I started playing bands, there was like that next level of like kind of commitment and it wasn't, it wasn't like convoluted. There was no like kind of like rock star kind of behavior thing that I remember thinking when I lived here that if someone like done this like big tour or had like kind of like fancy posters or whatever, like if it wasn't like <laughs> DIY to the like to the bottom of the barrel, it just was like really fucking wanky. Like it was just this weird... And I don't know if that's, like, a small-town thing for me. It's like, oh, they're, they're doing well, or, you know, like, fuck them. Like, they're, yeah. not, they're not, like, doing it tough. So that's a punk not, not, thing. Totally, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. But I remember, like, being really impressed by how bands kind of, like, organise themselves. Yeah. I was like, fuck, that's really cool. Oh, like, you know, the you know one of the members is, like, a graphic designer or, or isn't, but, like, just takes care of all that stuff. Another member's really good at like you know um, booking tours, and so they do that. And it was like real, like like its own little like um, little kind of engine, you know. And I just really liked that level of organisation that I'd never kind of experienced here, you know. I remember distinctly like Carnation kind of just going like, oh yeah, you know, we yeah we go back down to Melbourne. There was no like kind of like let's do a national tour. Like uh, Against Me Tour was the first national tour we'd ever done. Like. Mm on a large scale we'd done a weekend you know to brisbane where we played three shows or something like that it was it was just kind of like just take it as it as it goes and i was really impressed by how yeah bands in melbourne were like really driven and and what yeah no matter what it was about that was was really organized and i was yeah, yeah. pretty pretty amazing yeah uh, on a small obviously it's like a really small thing to know but yeah i was impressed by yeah, that it felt but, big at the time yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it, was, it was good. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, um, Melbourne was always somewhere that I just wanted to move regardless, yeah, whether I had a job or I had a band or whatever, yeah. I just wanted to you just wanted to there. be there. Yeah. Did it yeah. make sense to you as well? Like, uh, did you did you kind of romanticise it through the art house and things like that, just going there for the first few times? Yeah, I mean, I suppose Melbourne for Tassie people is where you end up three or four times a year to go see bands anyway because... Yeah, you know, it's, the, it's the closest city, yeah. Well, and a lot of bands don't tour to... Tassie, yeah, you know, although course, yes. they weren't touring at that time, yeah. Mm. And so, if you want to go see Strung Out or Thursday or you know, like Blonde Red Head or something like that, you've got to get to Melbourne. You yeah. go to Melbourne mm. to see them, and that's what I did, you know. And so, yeah. you kind of wind up in Melbourne four times a year or five times a year, and you make mates over here. And then, you know, for me, it was a bit of wanting to move somewhere a bit bigger and be a bit more anonymous, and also being really fucking burnt out with what I was doing in Tassie. You know, I was 
in a band. I was running a record label. I was promoting shows. I was running a rehearsal space. Jesus, I was, yeah. I had a van. I was shuttling people around, like picking bands up from the airport. They'd come and stay at my house. Right, right. Like, I've, just I've kind of been. I've <laughs> you're one of those I've people. experienced <laughs> all of those aspects of um, post whitey life. Yeah, <laughs> and so you know, like that. That's that. I, I loved doing that, but it's also exhausting. And when you realise that you spent most of your week doing shit for other people, it's like. Oh, maybe I'd like to just maybe take a little bit of time off from that and kind of go somewhere where I don't have all these obligations. So, yeah, it's kind of stressful moving away from Tassie because everyone, mm. like Hay was saying before, you know, everyone's just like, has a bit of an attitude about, about Melbourne. You know, it's because right. it is somewhere where a lot of people have moved from Tassie. I mean, half of the indie rock scene in Melbourne is made up of ex-Tasmanians. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. There's bloody Tassies everywhere. Mm. Yeah, that's um, right. And so it's it's a thing, you know. It's like people feel abandoned and feel left behind if someone moves from mm. um, Tassie to yeah. Melbourne. And I copped that. Like the first time I would go home, the first time I went home after I moved over to Melbourne, I copped it for like, you know, maybe three or four visits. People would be like, oh, so how's Melbourne? Like with oh, the yeah. insinuation yeah. that fuck you, you're too good yeah. for us now. Yeah. yeah. And actually had people go, well, you fucking think you're too good for us. Like, Say those exactly. Oh, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> and I think Lincoln has a song more or less about that whole thing at the end of his last record. Yeah, yeah. that's a great song, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's something you toy with. It's like you can, it's very hard to be a successful touring band when you're based in Tassie. You can, and bands like Luca Brasi, who I really admire for the way that they tour, they're sort of changing it, yeah. the face a little bit. Which yeah. is, I'd say yeah, so, absolutely. Which is great. Yeah. You know, and I think it's probably. Um, a lot more acceptable for a band to get on a national tour from Tassie. Yeah. Because I know that when we were trying to, when my band The Scandal was trying to get on national tours and stuff, promoters just wouldn't do it because they would just say, no, it looks too expensive. Yeah. Like, we can't do it. We can't fly you guys around. You have to be based in Melbourne or Sydney, maybe Adelaide, but even Adelaide was a bit out of the way. Yeah, yeah. And it was just a no-go. You know, like, if you want to do that shit, you have to be based in a bigger capital city. Yeah. And it's a... Like, I never wanted to take the band to Melbourne. I was just yep. moving there for my own personal reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, you know, it's it's great moving to a city where you're more anonymous so that you can let some of that shit go. Um, but, I mean, as far as doing all that, like, booking work and um, running the rehearsal space work and all that sort of stuff, it's just yeah. one of those things that's like, if you don't do it, no one else is doing it. And so... You kind of like when I was, you know, doing all that stuff in Tassie, I had I felt all this pressure to do it because it was like, if I stop running this rehearsal space, four bands won't have any place to rehearse. Yeah, it'll all mm. fall apart. Yeah. yeah, and if I stop booking shows, that means that my disco won't be able to come to Tasmania. Against mm. me, mm. won't be able to come to Tasmania. No use for a name, won't be able to come to Tasmania. Mm. You know, these bands that I really like, and I was like, well, there's 500 other kids in the state that like these bands and really like the fact that they can come down there's all this kind of like pressure that you put on yourself yeah. or that I put on myself and I was like yeah. I feel like I'm letting everyone down if I don't do this shit so yeah. eventually I was like I just need to do it for this. yourself more than anyone else I was yeah. just completely burned out you know yeah absolutely mm. um, tell us a bit about the label that you were running uh, so I ran a label called Disconnect Records okay. in, in Tassie for about five years um, and it was kind of like a tour touring like collective and record label um, right 
run by um, myself and two other guys, both called Misha. So Misha Calcagno and Misha Pringle. And we just did it as a labour of love, really, like, as I was going through uni and um, the other guys were kind of like finishing school and stuff. Yeah, I don't know, just kind of hassled Graham at Resist enough and um, Nigel at Trial and Error enough to have them start sending a few bands down just as a trial to Tassie and we just kind of worked our ass off for the first well the whole time really mm. yeah I guess we kind of released like seven records or eight records or something from Tassie bands and tried to really push Tassie bands you know encouraging our mates and our own bands to go on tour interstate yeah and then encouraging a bunch of bands to come and down and tour Tassie when no one well, everyone was too scared to Right, yeah. And so there was there were so many tours where we would spend a month convincing a band that it was going to work to come into a Tassie. Mm. Bands were keen, but no one was, like, it was really, at that time, financially it was really scary for bands to do mm. it. Cause, yeah, um, big risk. But, yeah. I remember um, the call that Graham made to me about Coronation doing that tour with Against Me, and he called me and was like, oh, so I'm thinking of sending, you know, the tour down to Hobart. You know, I've never done this before. This is a totally massive gamble um if you guys want to do it like that's on your back you know get your flights or whatever but he's like i can't guarantee you anything i just don't know how it's going to go blah blah and then we get down there and we went to dinner we sound check then we went to dinner and walked back to the venue and was a line like down the street and it sold out like that it was like and it was the craziest show ever it was like Yes, this worked really well. Can, this yeah. is like one of the best yeah. shows ever. Yeah. And it all paid off. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was and, great. And, and full credit to Graham for taking that risk. You know, that kind yeah. of like, that show set us up and gave us the bug for touring bands yeah. for five years. You know, like, that's something I'll never forget. Yeah, you know, yeah. Massive gamble that he took. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Took, you know? yeah. That show also got talked about. So, like, Against mm. Me went away from Australia and just went, we played this place called Hobart and it was yeah, fucking it was... crazy. There were kids hanging off the rafters. Um, yeah. like the, the 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 front of house speakers, like the PA, looked like a jumping castle. They were like going <laughs> like this. They were huge. I remember at one point I had to like go over and help like hold them still yeah. so they didn't crush some kid to death. It was just it was just like the the craziest thing. The venue didn't have it was had exposed beams, so there were kids that were like climbing up, getting boosted by people up into the roof onto the beams walking along the beams and then just falling into the crowd Fucking like so hell. it was like people were stage diving out of the roof and people were like oh hanging and God. swinging off the rafters and it was just like it was just the most just how did the cops thing. not get called I oh know, my was, God. I, I remember just going like this is scary like yeah oh my god what the yeah. hell yeah and that was <laughs> a kick in the pants for us that was like if we keep putting shows on like this, someone's going to die. We have to think about it. We have <laughs> to about think this. about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, maybe get one or two security guards. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I remember the other thing that happened was that three songs in Against Me set, the power went mm-hmm. to the stage. So it was like there was just nothing. And then there was a half an hour wait for um, someone to replace the three-phase power yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Converter. So everyone else just got like wasted in that time. In half an hour, no bands playing, and then by the time they started up again, it was just like that's when yeah. it, that's when it, it actually just went, old, yeah. that's when it like it went was, off and was like what the hell? Is it, it was pandemonium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to myself and one of the other guys that I was running the label with had to sit on or like kneel on the stage with my body braced against the fold back 
because every song was just getting pushed back to the drum riser because there were people falling on stage, stage diving. Yeah. It was just loose. Like, yeah. poor Laura Jane Grace, or Tom, she was then, ended up with cuts, like, all oh. over her mouth, like, from the microphone just getting smashed into her teeth all, oh, all no. set. Yeah, it was sorry. just, it was loose. Yeah, it was, it was nuts. And then, yeah, like, <laughs> was, we had... Like, and then, yeah, and then the same, like, we, you know, we, we went home from Tassie just going, like... Oh man! No, no. <laughs> what, what the, the hell, hell was that? Yeah, yeah. Ben's don't Ben's don't go down there. Ben should go down there. That yeah. was that was amazing. Was yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. But yeah, we had bands like Strike Anywhere or um, yeah, you know, a couple other bands just coming coming back. Or like even maybe even like the guys from the Draft or um, mm. like Hot Water coming back and going, yeah, we heard about this show in Tasmania and like just we heard it was completely bananas and saw some photos and we were like. We have to play there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Sign sealed delivered. Yeah. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, so we did that for a while. And basically the aim of it was to lessen the divide musically and kind of like get rid of a few stigmas about Tasmania. And sure. I, think it, I think it really helped do that for mm, a while, you know. Like for sure, yeah. For a few years there, bands were regularly touring and, and it opened the door not just for bigger bands like Fat Records and Epitaph bands and, you know, I don't know, Bridge Nine and Deathwish bands and whatever to tour Tassie. Mm. But also all these, like... Like, we would try and do every second show as a interstate local band. Mm. So, you know, yeah. we'd have a band like Left Hand Cuts the Right tour. Mm. Yeah. No one fucking knows who they are in Tassie, you know? Yeah. But they come away with it and there's, like, 200 people going, dude, that band were really cool. It's, like, some kind of music I've never, ever seen before. Mm. And, like, people turn up to the shows and... Like, it worked really well there for a yeah, while, you know? yeah. And then we we did such a range of bands between, you know, Parkway Drive and Strike Anywhere we did a few times and Strung Out and stuff like that. But then also, yeah, like My Disco and, yeah. um, I don't know, like a few other kind of bands in that, that spectrum. And it was just really fun, like, bringing down bands that you knew no one fucking knows who they are. Mm-hmm. But you know that there's going to be X number of people walking away from the show going, holy shit, who was that band, you know? Yeah. Straight yeah. Jacket Nation as well, you know? They, oh, yeah. yeah. They, they toured and stuff. Big it was time. just like, mm. hardly anyone at the shows, but they played a couple of ripper shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's just fun doing that shit. It's like... Yeah, yeah, totally. It's kind of like you're opening up all these people to these rad bands and just going, actually, selfishly, oh, I want this tour to happen because I've never seen this band play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, that would yeah. have been fantastic. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lost a whole bunch of money and spent many, many hours dodging cops um, in Hobart trying not to get arrested for postering and stuff like that. It's <laughs> all fun. It's clearly all worth it in the end. Yeah. yeah. You've got yeah. these incredible stories about it, man. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> you about, can't shake that. And about yeah. 10 grand in the hole. So hey! Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, Jamie, a couple of years ago, you put out your debut solo record, uh, which is called King of the Sun. It's, it's out still, as, as yeah. Frenzel would put it. <laughs> <laughs> Still, yes, <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, I found that interesting that you know you you spent fifteen plus years doing all this other stuff. It, it felt like a really interesting time to quote unquote go solo and put out your debut solo record at such a such a late point. Do you feel that having everything that you know about music up and up to and including that point kind of influenced how the record turned out and how you know the direction of your solo work? Yeah, it's not. It's not really that much knowledge in the end. <laughs> like it, you know, it was again like very different venture than I'd done before. And, yeah, um, it was definitely kind of very new in a lot of ways. Um, 
and really exciting in that way. And I think that's kind of the thing, again, you know, like doing something that's completely different to what you've done before, it makes it exciting, just like those first shows you play where you just, you know, you, you kind of like putting it together and it's exciting and you, you're unsure of how it's going to go. Um, I guess that was kind of like a part of the, the idea with the solo record, you know, I just wanted to add other instruments and kind of craft something that was hopefully, you know, not just very, you know, plateaued and, you know, some solo records can very much just sit on this kind of like one level. I wanted to have like full band songs and, you know, uh, other songs that had like not many instruments at all. Yeah, it was just a bit of bit of fun, a bit of an experiment just to see what I could do. Yeah. <laughs> I think it worked out well, don't you? Oh, thanks, thanks. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, like I, genuine, yeah, I genuinely love that record. I, I, I listened to that record a lot when it came out. You know, it was thanks, a big man. deal for me. Uh, we were talking about this uh, off mic previously. Um, you're, you're, you're a married man and you have a, you have a little kid. Um, yep. Shout out to Jimmy if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jimmy. Hey. I don't know. Do you, do you feel like... Uh, it, it, it's that classic cliche of how do you balance family and work, you know? But it's like, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, do do you feel like I guess the the concept of you know having a family and being a father yourself now? Do you feel like that has not stifled the creativity, but kind of made it more of a infrequent aspect of your life? Yeah, it's definitely kind of like made things happen a bit slower than than before. But I think yeah, for me, it's you know first and foremost, I want to be. A, a good present husband and father yeah like those both things are really important to me and as much as music is as well and i just yeah want to balance those all together equally you know uh i think you know the thing with touring and and getting away to play shows it happens less frequently because you know i don't want to be you know <laughs> again like I don't go away making money and coming mm. home going, look, I've been away for like five days, but look at all this, you know, it's, it's all good. Uh, you know, it's, it's Just like, making it rain all it's like, the <laughs> it's like, I, it's like I come home and go, Oh, hey, I spent a lot of money. <laughs> like, that was really no fun. Picked, yeah, up yeah. Hell, picked up a hell of a bar tab. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> look at this receipt. <laughs> <laughs> it's long. Um, so yeah, that, that, that to me, like the, those things have changed. It's, you know, I want to be a, a good husband and a good dad and, and a good musician. And that's just, I just have to make that all work together. Well, I, th- I think you're three from three, Jamie. Oh, thanks. Thanks, mate. Thank you. <laughs> you're very welcome. <laughs> um, okay, so we'll wrap up. But uh, before we do, I ask this of all of my guests and uh, you guys are next. I would like to find out the best and the worst shows that you have collectively ever played. We will start with you, Liam. Feel free to start on either or. Are they yeah. are they our shows together, or just okay? Oh, that's a good one. Um, we'll go individually first, and then together. Okay. Okay. So first up, any like any band that I play. Yes, any any at all. Just gig ex- gig experiences. Um, I've, I've definitely played a couple of shows where various members of bands have been too incapacitated to play more than a song. Oh, you mm. play. I've played one show where the drummer was so drunk he fell off his stool halfway through the show. <laughs> that was pretty good. Cool. cool. Yeah. Yep. Halfway yep. through a song, just like, oh, we're... we're. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, on the floor. Passed good. out. Cool. Yeah. So that's probably in the one of the worst shows. Oh, uh, um, yeah. That's fair. I've had a couple of non-shows. Like, oh, right. Where the last time that my band The Scandal played in Tassie, we played a show with Propaganda and 
the next day we were going to play. I think that was that sh- that tour. We were going to play an all ages show the next day, and um, and you know the two bands before us played. Everything was sweet. We went to go on, hit the first chord in the set. The power went out. Oh no! Um, and it was in a um, rehearsal space where the switchboard was locked away in a room that we didn't have the key for. So, <laughs> so we, yeah, we just kind of were like, well, it's going to be an hour for the key to arrive. So that's it. That's Sorry, it. guys. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's Jesus. cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think the, probably the, one of the best shows I think I've played was in a cafe in St. Helens in eastern, northeastern Tasmania. And mm. okay. as a friend Sam's um, cafe up there. And we kind of went up there with a couple of bands and, and we were just totally unsure as to how it was going to go. Just like this could be a total flop. And we're mm. probably expecting it to be a massive flop. But it's one of those things that it's like, what's what's the most ridiculous thing we can do? Oh, let's play this weird-ass town that, you know, probably hasn't had a punk band play there for a little while. Mm. Cool, let's do that. Where should we play? In a pub? Nah, let's do a cafe. Yeah. Anyway, it was amazing. There were people just going completely nuts. It was just bananas. And, I don't know, it's just one of those magic shows where everything seems to go right and you're just Mm. looking around going... Holy shit! This is actually scary. How good this is! Wow! Know? Yeah, it just feels everything feels electric, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things where it's just like you feel like time stands still, and you're taken out of everyday life, and you're just like in this weird flow. Like, yeah, yeah I don't know. There's been a few shows for me like that where it's been, mm. yeah, where you just feel like time stands still. It's pretty amazing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Awesome. All right, you're up, Jamie. Uh, it's hard to think of, like, worse shows. It's been some stinkers. The one, uh, <laughs> not, not all the time, but yeah, yeah. just obviously ones that um, come to mind. But I remember kind of, like, earlier uh, solo shows where I just started off really bad and then just, like... Just dropped off from there. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I just, want to, I just want to put this guitar down and walk off now. Like, I don't care. Like, I mean, this is, like, kind of a bummer story, but, I, you know, this is the one that popped into my head. It's like, yeah, that was a terrible time. Um, it was the day that I found out that, like, a friend of mine had died and I had oh, to man. play a solo show in the beer garden at the Artie. And I'd, like, would recording vocals for the Death in the Family record and Adam had a bottle of whiskey. This is, like, 11 a.m. Oh, shit. And so, like, I turn up to do this and tell everyone the news or whatever, and Adam's just going, well, I've got this. <laughs> so I started drinking whiskey at about 11, and then I <gasps> Good done, start. Vocals, done vocals all day, and then went out into the beer garden to play a set at about 2 or 3 o'clock, and just was, like, a mess. And I was playing and, like, kind of, like, hit my finger, like, my index finger with a uh, strumming hand on, on the strings, and I sometimes just kind of, like, you know, rub a bit of skin off or whatever. But because I'd been drinking so much like liquor that day, I um I just didn't stop bleeding oh, with this finger. Fuck. So it was just like blood going everywhere and I would like, you know, like kinda of, like singing terribly because I was like really upset. It was just like one of the, that was the one where I was like, I need to get off. I need to get off. This is <laughs> <Yeah>. pointless. <laughs> it was it was horrible. That was definitely the worst gig I've ever played. Oh man. Um, Hopefully that never ever happens again. But yeah, anyway, fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> best show in recent memory. I feel like us got invited onto the Bob Barker Sea Shepherd ship. Wow. To play. 
for the crew, uh, and they cooked us a massive vegan pizza feast. Yeah, we played on the ship to 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 the whole crew and wow, people. that was a pretty. Were they into it? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, a bunch of them like were fans, and they asked us to to come along, and you know, it was like sunset. It was just like one of those moments, like going, like, how did I end up here doing this? This is crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was really cool. I think one of the one of the best shows I've ever seen was you guys playing at the art house where you w- walked off stage and played a show, played the last song on the floor. Oh, yeah. I think everyone, I've seen a picture of that. Yeah, everyone gathered around and was like yelling and singing and just yeah. drowned you guys out completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was amazing. It was so good. Yeah, that was the last show at the art house. Yeah, that was the last one. Oh man, that's a way to go out, isn't it? Well, we the idea was that when when we recorded the record we recorded at the art house and yeah fitzy was it was fitzy and matt that kind of like recorded and produced it and one night fitzy was like oh i really want you to do this song like downstairs in the pub when when it's shut and just we'll just do it live and just get the, the room sound and so we recorded neo decepticons for the record down there um just all sitting like kind of like in you know three oh, formation yeah yeah, yeah yeah and and played it so that was the idea it was like the last last song that we were to play we wanted to like play it in the spot where we, re- we recorded it at the art house and oh, so we beautiful we um yeah went up fully unplugged and yeah that was that was a really special moment oh, man, yeah that's amazing yeah okay so shows that you guys have done together let's uh, let's go through a highlight and low light reel i've done my best to ruin a show oh, we dude. played we played world vegan day last year oh, okay so it started really well because we were due to play in the afternoon at no, the, towards the end evening. of the day yeah, and um, and it ended up being that we were playing as everybody was filing out of the show. Yeah, um, oh, which was not an ideal <laughs> time to play the set. And it was a Wednesday night, yeah. and we went on stage at like ten to twelve. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then to add to that, um, we were just like, "Oh fuck it, we don't have time to sound check. We'll just set up our stuff on stage. It'll be fine. We'll just go into it. It'll be fine." Yeah. First note that I played on the guitar, or like. No, we were playing fine, like everything was going going well. I hadn't like tested my boost pedal, yeah. so I clicked it on to do a solo, and it was just on maximum volume. <laughs> so like here we are playing <laughs> normal volume, and then I'm just like... <laughs> and Hayes looked over at me like, what are you doing? What, what is that? <laughs> I, just, I said the no two drone. People, the two people that are here are really weirded out right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cause it yeah. Just, yeah, it was ridiculous. So, <laughs> Holy shit! Afterwards, yeah. I was just like, oh, "I'm so sorry about that." <laughs> that's a pretty good. Like, that's a pretty non-bad, bad. You know, that's pretty good. Oh, you think I've done much worse? No, no. I'm bad. saying if that, that's no, no. I can't remember. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I'm saying that's actually we'll good. Save that, that for off mic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, you can tell the world. It's yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the best one that best you guys one. have played together is? You don't. <sighs> You hardly remember the really good ones, <laughs> you know. It's yeah, always like yeah, the yeah, terrible yeah. ones. You go, oh, I'll never forget that. Yeah, but um, for all the wrong reasons, uh, we played a great show in um, Devonport. That was at this that was a surprise. Yeah. That was a good one. That yeah, was, that was yeah. Cool. yeah, definitely. Was that this like a mate of mine has works in a music store down there, and um, it's kind of like this. We didn't realize it was going to be like this, but it was like in the series same series of gigs that like like Diesel had played and Jeff um, Lang Jeff and Lang oh, yeah, right. all these right super respectable and great musicians yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then there's a couple of hacks yeah like, <laughs> and like, they're set up 
chairs. Like there's this stage and then they're like pulling out chairs and we're like, oh, oh this is going to suck. Yeah. Like, this is going to be really bad. And yeah, when we started, it was like deathly quiet between songs and no one was saying anything. And I was just thinking, oh God, this is going over so badly. And then oh, like, dear. and then, but it was just that people were listening Super, really intently yeah, and yeah. like really paying attention to and the And it was song. actually like nearly sold out. It was like... Oh wow! Heaps of people. We walked. We walked back into the venue after going to Liam's parents' house for dinner, which was rad. Um, and yeah, we walked in and went, "Holy shit! There's actually people here. There's actually a lot of people here. This yeah. is cool." And yeah, and the set went really good. And 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 it was yeah, it was like these kind of crew bunch of people that we I would not imagine to come to shows regularly or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you know, they wanted like. CD signed and stuff like that. Which oh, wow. Really funny. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, that was cool. It was a very good surprise. You know, expectation was definitely... Yeah. Uh, which just goes to show there. that mums and dads are our true audience. That's yeah. right. <laughs> that is our target market. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Well, now that you're a dad, you know, you've got to start relating to other dads, you know. Oh, no, <laughs> I do not want to do that. <laughs> Talk about poop. Oh, I can do that. Yeah. Uh, well, once you start school, you're going to have to start pretending to be friends with the other parents. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Absolute yeah. nightmare, mate. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, Liam, thank you guys so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Thanks you're for so letting welcome. us rub it on about shit for an hour. <laughs> See what you did there. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> do either of you have anything to plug before we zip on out? No, I think... Oh, we're That's all good. about it. Yeah, I'd like to plug the podcast. Oh, thanks! Yeah. You should listen, <laughs> you should to, this listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good if we do say so ourselves. That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much, gentlemen. Thanks, buddy. I'm David Jones. All my friends. This has been a David James Young Writes production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com.